Good morning to all of you. <clears throat> I'm Pastor Tim, the executive pastor here at Grace Community and um, for our church. I just want to tell you we're delighted that you've chosen to worship with us um, today. We are in our, uh, actually I would tell you, we're going we're gonna to read here in just a moment, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 12, and I would encourage you to turn there. I want to make a couple of kind of introductory statements. We are in our First Fruits series. Um, first Fruits is a rich theological principle that you find throughout the Scriptures, and there's much that could be said, but I'm going to just say a couple of things about it this morning. First Fruits, if you didn't know, was, <clears throat> was an idea that was co coincided with the harvest of crops. At the harvest, the first and best of the harvest was dedicated to the Lord. It carries with it this idea that all that we have comes from or is given to us by the Lord. In recognition of or thankfulness for this, we give him back the first and the best of those gifts. <clears throat> you know, have you noticed that thankfulness is kind of lost in our culture? I mean, it really is. It's kind of been just taken away. Our first fruits is always in the month of November, in anticipation of Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving has kind of, in my mind, been kind of removed from our culture. When I was a kid, um, we would have Halloween, and it wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, we would trick-or-treat, get lots of candy, and then it was over. Now people decorate their homes. I see decorations in, you know, stores. And then when, when Halloween is over, you, you start seeing Christmas stuff. It's like thanks, Thanksgiving has just been lost. And I want you to know that Thanksgiving... The Thanksgiving season is more than just turkeys and pilgrims and that. It, it's really a time dedicated to thank God for all that He has given us. This year, we're focusing in our first fruits the, in the idea of giving of our time, talents, and treasures. And we started last week, and by the way, Pastor Stephen really preached an excellent message on time. It really was excellent. And if you didn't hear it, I would encourage you to go on to our website and um, listen to it. I'm going to focus on talents this morning. This idea of time, talent, and treasure we get from our membership responsibilities. Um, in our membership responsibilities, we teach that it is a responsibility of us to follow the example of Christ, to seek to serve more than to be served. We are encouraged to support the ministry of the church by giving of our time, talents, and treasures. I'd like to start by reading a, a rather long portion of the Scriptures. Um, and I think it's something you've heard many times. I think it's probably a text you're very familiar with. But I'm hoping you will not just read it as if it's just words on a paper. I hope you will realize that this particular text has something very wonderful to say to all of us. And you are a part of this. So as we read it, try to think through what it's saying to you personally. I will have it on the screen for you, but if you have your, your Bibles, I would encourage you to read it there. I'm going to read it from the um, New International Version. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, into one body, 
whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? And it is there, and as it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. There's a whole series of questions that are asked with an obvious answer that you should be saying in your head. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. Did you catch? There is something so very profound in that, and we read it so often, I think we miss it. Do you realize that in the kingdom of God, you are a part of something? Do you realize that in the kingdom of God, you are important? Do you realize that in the kingdom of God, you have a purpose? In the kingdom of God, there are no individuals. There is no room for individual thinking because we are all a part of something. We are all a part of the body of Christ, and we are constructed in a way by God himself to serve his purpose to take the kingdom to the world. This is why you should give of your time, your talents, and your treasure. Because you, catch this, you are a part of the arranged order of God. Now this morning, I'm going to focus in on talents. And when I, when I looked up talents in Scripture, you know, really talents in Scripture, you can look at it in a variety of ways, but for the most part, when you look at it in Scripture, it, it really is a 
reference to like a, a form of money. Um, the part I'm picking up on, though, is that um, using the term talents more in the, in the sense of skills, the ability to do something, you know, how you are talented, if you will. And when I look at that, I see really two different kinds of talents or two kinds of talents in the Scripture. The first one is what I will call natural abilities. These are the abilities that are inherited, the power or skill to do something. You are created with these abilities. Everyone has natural abilities. Everyone is wired by God in a certain way when they are born. And those natural abilities... Um, should be nurtured as they grow. Watch children as they grow. You know what, I'll, what I'm talking about. As you watch children as they begin to grow and develop, you'll see some that have great intelligence. They're really smart. You'll see some that, that exhibit great creativity. Some are very practical thinkers. Some are strong. Some are very sensitive. And you know, there's a variety of these abilities that people have. Some have really great memories. Some have great musical abilities. They're naturally born with this in some cases. Have you ever been around someone? It's like they pick up an instrument and they can just play it. Some have great athletic type abilities. Some are very artistic. Some are really good listeners. Some are more natural communicators. Some are leaders. Some are great followers. You know, we all are wired in a certain way. Everyone is wired in a certain way by the Creator Himself, God. Psalm 139, 13 to 16 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You are special, and you were specially created by God. I think one of the worst things in the world, really, is when someone believes they are good for nothing. I think that is so devastating. That's the way I used to think. I grew up in kind of a dysfunctional home. I had an abusive father, not abusive physically, but abusive mentally. And I, I, be, I began to think that I wasn't good for anything. Because of that, I know you will find this hard to believe, but because of that, I was very shy, withdrawn. I was a loner, kind of mousy. People scared me. I was terrified of people. I really was. And I really didn't think I had anything to offer to anybody because that wasn't nurtured. My natural abilities were not nurtured in my life. Of course, then when you're a big guy and you're shy, you know, I was like a puppy with big feet, hadn't grown into my body, if you will. Then people pick, you know, kids pick on you. And so I, I had, that's the way I was in the early days. And I didn't realize that that I, like you, was created uniquely by God, and we ought to work to, to develop this in people's lives, not tear them down. I'll say more about that in a moment. The second kind of talent is spiritual gifts, the special skills and ability, abilities which God gives through His Spirit 
to all believers. When someone surrenders their life to Jesus Christ, when they are saved, they receive the Holy Spirit. Um, Acts 2.38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you give your life to Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. At the moment a person surrenders their life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live within them. Romans 8, 9 says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to God. So when you give your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. And when the Holy Spirit comes into a person's life, he brings with him special gifts and abilities to be used for the kingdom of God. We call them spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11 says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are work of the one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one as he determines. So you have natural abilities, and then you have spiritual gifts, your talents, if you will. And <clears throat> there's a lot made about the relationship between natural abilities and spiritual gifts. A lot of people want to talk about that, and frankly, I think it's a bit of a waste of time. Um, I don't see this as an issue in Scripture, um, but maybe I can say a few things to try to explain that. About natural abilities and spiritual gifts, both come from God. Natural abilities are given at birth. All pe people have natural abilities from their creator, from our creator. Uh, spiritual gifts come at, from God at your spiritual birth. But only believers have spiritual gifts. When someone is born again, it seems to me that the natural abilities then are kind of joined in with the spiritual gifts, and, and either the natural abilities are then used for the kingdom of God, or sometimes I think the spiritual gifts kind of supercharge the natural abilities, if you will. For example, if you think of someone who is very gifted musically, before they know the Lord, they develop that that natural ability, and then when they become a believer, it's like then that music comes alive to be used for the kingdom of God so that we have people that lead us in worship of the Lord through, the, through that particular ability. I think the, the thrust of the Scriptures is that we shouldn't spend a whole lot of time thinking about if it's a natural ability or a spiritual gift. I think what we ought to do is just realize it all comes from the Lord and it all should be used to, for, to further His kingdom. What matters then is that we should discover what our gifts and abilities are and then develop them. 
First Peter 4, 10 to 11 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do so as speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the honor forever and ever. Amen. So what I'm going to spend the remainder of today focusing on is a question that I've been asked many times, and I ask myself, and that is, how do you discover what your spiritual gifts are? How do you discover what your spiritual gifts are? I asked that question when I became a believer, and I get asked it all the time. And back when, when my wife and I gave our lives to the Lord, um, spiritual gift tests were really a big deal. I was encouraged to take a spiritual gifts test to figure out how I was gifted. So the other day I thought, oh, maybe I'll get a spiritual gifts test. I don't hear about them that much anymore. So I found one on the internet. Usually you take them on the internet and they're scored. But I printed it off and I found one and hit the print button and I went to do something and came back and my printer was out of paper. I thought, oh my goodness. And so I had to put more paper and it's 29 pages long. I don't want to take any tests that that's, that's that long. But I thought, I can't read it all to you, but I'll read portions of it to you. Um, and it, the way it, it's broken into, into like categories, and then there's questions, and then you respond to the questions by responding, you know, the question's read, and then you, you respond never, rarely, occasionally, often. And then when you get done, it's all scored to tell you what your spiritual gifts are. So here's a few of the questions. Do you hear God's voice with clarity and feel compelled to act on it? Never, rarely, occasional, often? <laughs> I can't hardly read this question without laughing. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I did it in the first service. I couldn't read it. It's so comical to me. Do dead people or animals come back to life when you pray for them? Uh, no. <laughs> you know, it didn't occur to me when we were coming down out of the hills yesterday and I saw, I saw two or three raccoons you know, splatted on the road. It didn't occur to me to pull over and put my hands on them and pray for them to come back to, to life. <laughs> do, people, do people get physically healed when you place your hands on them and pray? The reason I find that comical is because people tell me I'm not the most gentle person in the world. And normally when I lay hands on somebody, they get hurt. So, so I guess this is rarely for me. But there's some really good questions in here. Um, do you find yourself giving sacrificially to people in need? It's a good question to ask. Often, never, rarely, occasionally. Do you open your home to people who you've just met and welcome them in with the love of Christ? Do you go out of your way to help others in whatever way you can? So, you know, it's, it's, there's some good stuff in here. <laughs> My problem with spiritual gifts is, you know, when I took a spiritual gifts test back when I was a, a young believer, you know, I, you answer these questions about yourself, and I don't really think that's the best way to find your spiritual gifts. I mean, when I first became a believer, I, I, I didn't, what I would have answered about myself wouldn't have been anything. It would, I wouldn't have answered that I was a, you know, I had the gift of pastoring or that I was a good leader or something like that because I was scared to death of people, you see? But and the other thing that, 
about spiritual gifts tests, you don't really see spiritual gifts tests in Scripture. But I think Scripture does give us some ideas on how to determine what our spiritual gifts are. And so I'm going to share with you three things that I have learned over the years. And I'm sure there maybe is more, but this will just get you to think about how you can find out what your spiritual gifts are and maybe even how you can use them. The first one is this. Be around believers and the body of Christ. You've got to understand with spiritual gifts, people, in the, people that don't know the Lord don't know anything about spiritual gifts. You need to be around believers who will observe these things in you. And the church is the best place to be because in the church is where you can exercise your spiritual gifts. And if you're around the body of believers, they will begin to see things in you that you don't even see in yourself. And they'll begin to help you to, to nurture those and even to know that they're there. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It is believers in the body of Christ that will encourage you in your spiritual gifts and help you to determine what they are. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another and build each other up. Uh, Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. And John 13.34 and 35 a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples. And I put that in there because I want you to understand that people that love you will stand by you and help you to determine how you're best gifted. It is people that love you that will, will give you a break when you do something stupid. They'll stand by you because they love you. They'll have a, they'll see the, the good in you, and they'll try to develop that in you. And so you've got to be around believers in the body of Christ. When I became a Christian, I was that same person that I told you about earlier. I needed believers in my life to nurture me because I didn't have people that were nurturing me. I know it's hard for some of you to believe. Ask my wife. I was shy. I was mousy. I, I never would have believed that I would ever be up in front of people. I hated being in front of people. If the Tim who gave his life to Jesus Christ back in the day saw the Tim standing before you today preaching a message to you, that Tim would have never believed that this Tim was that Tim. You understand? You need to be around believers. It was in the body of Christ where I began to be nurtured in things I didn't even know that I had. I told you a few weeks about, ago about a, a buddy of mine that got involved in my life and started discipling me and he asked me to go to a junior high camp as a counselor with him. I was like, okay. I mean, I'd just do anything people would tell me back, back then. And so we went to this junior high camp, and I had this immediate kind of wake-up call sitting in a counseling meeting the first night and being told about counseling kids. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I had no idea what I would tell these kids. And so, you know, I listened to all this and that kids might come forward and I might have to go up and meet with them. And I was like, are you kidding me? And so I pulled a buddy aside and I said, I'm not even sure what I should do. And he says, well, just share the gospel with them. I don't know what the gospel is. <laughs> and he says, well, just share the Roman road with them. Well, I would love to, but I have no idea what the Roman road is. 
And he says, well, here, Tim, I'll show you. It's real easy. And kid wants to come up. Just share the Roman road with him. The Roman road says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. In other words, everybody's a sinner. Sin causes death and separation from God. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever would believe in him would have, you know, eternal life and all of that. And I think I just said that wrong. I did. Thank you, Leroy. You're always there to tell me. Well, you know, John, for God so loved the world that he sent his son, and that if you would give your life to Jesus Christ, you would be saved. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus is Lord. And all you have to do is ask the Lord for forgiveness. Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you would confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you would be saved. So I went back to my room. I pulled out those passages. I wrote it down on three-by-five cards, you know, so that when I was counseling with those kids, I could go, you know. But honestly, I began to be developed because someone saw something in me that I hadn't seen even in myself. So we need to be around believers and the body of Christ. Secondly, we need to serve. I know that sounds really simple, but spiritual gifts are made to be used in the body of Christ. Matthew 20, 28, Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. As I told you in our membership material, we encourage people to seek to serve more than to be served by discovering their gifts and abilities. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. By developing a servant's heart, we are told to do. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. And if you want to develop a servant, if you want to figure out what your gifts and abilities are and develop a servant's heart, you need to serve in the ministries of the church. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers, were, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to in, indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. And see, this idea about indulging the sinful nature, that's when you're worrying about yourself. You're never going to find out your spiritual gifts worrying about yourself. You'll only find your spiritual gifts by serving others. Serve wholeheartedly as if serving the Lord, not men. So folks, you don't need a spiritual gifts test. You don't need to take some kind of a class or a conference. You want to figure out how you're gifted? Start serving. That's the best way to do it. I tell people, listen, when they say, I don't know what my spiritual gifts tests are, my spiritual gifts are, I say, just serve. And so I tell people, listen, just look for a need in the church and jump in and start serving. And if you jump in and start serving and you find out you hate it, <laughs> you're probably not gifted in that area. So I tell people, complete your commitment and then move on to something else. And sooner or later, you'll find something you just absolutely love. And that's probably where you're gifted. The third thing I would give you is resist self. Resist self. I'm going to let you fill in your notes. So those of you that are doing that, and then I'm going to ask you to look up here at me because I want you to hear this. I've been told that when you're filling in notes, sometimes you don't hear what somebody's saying. I get that. So are you all looking? I want you to hear this statement. Do you know that coming to church, attending a service, 
and going home is foreign to the Scriptures. Do you know that coming to church and going home is foreign, attending a service and going home is foreign to the Scriptures? 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Do you know that in the body of Christ, as believers, we don't have rights? We have lots of freedoms, but we do not have rights. We have responsibilities. Do you know that if you only think about yourself and what you think you need or want, you will never become what God wants you to be? And honestly, if you only worry about what you want or what you think you need, most people will not even want to be around you. Oh, they will, they will endure you. They will be nice to you, but they really won't want to spend time with you because that's what we call selfishness. Do you know that you will never find how you are gifted if you only serve yourself? Jesus said in Luke 9.23 and other places, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We are to, not to deny ourselves, but that is so very hard to do. Do you know why? Because we are bombarded every day by the direct opposite message. We are bombarded by worry about yourself. It's you have your rights. It's your body. Do what you want. Let me illustrate using a couple of modern-day situations, modern-day kind of news things going on. Do you know who Casey Hickok is? You do. U.S. judge orders Ebola quarantine after nurses' defiant bike ride. The confrontation between the state of Maine and a nurse who treated Ebola patients in Sierra Leone heated up on Friday when a judge issued a temporary order enforcing a quarantine after she defied state officials and took a bike ride. Now listen, don't go to lunch and discuss this because I'm not even sure what I think about this particular situation. I'm not sharing it with you so you will go debate it. I'm sharing it with you to catch something. That story is all about rights. Her rights as an individual to do what she wants to do the rights of other people who don't want to be around her because they don't want to get Ebola and their rights, and it's all about that. Rights. Who's thinking about what is really the best for all involved? How about Brittany Maynard? I bet some of, more of you know her name. Sad, sad story. Beautiful girl. Terminally, terminally ill woman, Brittany Maynard, has ended her own life. Here's how the story goes. Brittany Maynard, who became the public face of the controversial right to die movement over the last few weeks, ended her own life Saturday at her home, at her home in Portland, Oregon. She was 29 years old. Listen to what she said before she died or before she took her life. Goodbye to all my dear friends and family that I love. 
Today is the day I have chosen to pass away. With dignity in the face of my terminal illness, this terrible brain cancer that has taken so much of me, I, me, my, mine, it's the four worst words in our vocabulary, in my opinion, especially as believers. We worry so much about our rights and we miss what God wants for us, and that is to worry about other people and to serve other people. So be around believers in the body of Christ. Serve and resist self, and you will begin to find out how you are best gifted. Now, as a person begins to determine what their spiritual gifts are, I am calling, there are, there are things that I call spiritual gift traps. And I want to share a few of those with you because I think as people start to try to determine how they're gifted, they fall into these traps. And I want to encourage you not to fall into these traps. Here's the first one, and I'm sure there's more than I will share with you. That's not my gift, so someone else is going to have to do it. I I tell you, when you start determining your spiritual gifts, there's a need, and you'll say, well, that's not my gift. I'm not going to do it. Okay, I went to a junior high camp. By the way, do you know how, how taxing it is to work with junior hires? Because they're, yeah, because they're, they got a lot of energy, okay? So here I am at this junior high camp. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. And on my, at my door. 2 o'clock in the morning. I open the door. There's this little junior high girl. Pastor Tim. And you know how they they look like they're just dying. (laughs) Pastor Tim, our toilet's clogged up. Well, it's not my gift. So you need to go find one of the other leaders. You see how ridiculous that would be? By the way, I kind of think it is my gift. I'm in a house full of girls. I can't tell you how many toilets I've unclogged. But we won't go any further with that. Oh, There's a piece of paper. That's not my gift to pick it up. I'm just going to leave it there and let someone else do it. How ridiculous is that? It is not my gift. Some of you will want to argue this with me, but you'd be wrong. It is not my gift to work with children. Children scare me to death. I am not kidding you. My wife was a teacher, and she'd have me come into her room sometimes to talk to the kids, and I'd get sweaty just walking into the room. They scare me to death. But every year, I do lineup at VBS, and everybody says, you do such a great job. Well, they scare me to death. You know? Pastor Tim, can I have some more candy? No, get back in line. No. <laughs> but my point is, it's not my gift, but somebody has to do it, and so I'm, I, di- I do it. One year in Awana, they needed a, some leaders. They, they were short. They couldn't get anybody to be a director for the, what was it? Sparky. See, I can't even remember. It shows you how near and dear to me it is. So my wife and I went in there and worked, and, and we took that job on until they could find somebody else. And, and everybody says, oh, you do such a great job. Yeah, I got to take a shower. I took a shower before I got there. I got to take one when I get home because they make me sweat. They scare the daylights out of me. It's not my gift, but somebody had to do it. So don't fall into the trap of saying, you know, it's not my gift, so someone else has got to do it. Get in there and do it. Here's another one. 
I haven't figured out what my gift is yet, so I'm going to wait until I do. Seriously, if you're going to wait until you figure out what your gift is, you're never going to find out what your gift is. Get involved. Jump into it. Can you imagine if I'd have said no to all the things people got me involved in back in the day? I wouldn't be standing here before you now. Maybe you would go, oh, I wish you hadn't gotten involved. I don't know. But here's the third one, and I, this, one, this one really gets me. I'll pray about it. What are you going to pray about? You're going to pray about not doing what, what, I mean, something that God would want you to do, but you don't want to do it? You're going to pray about it? There was a dear friend of mine used to go to church here. His name was Aaron. We'd go down to Mexico every year, and the kids still go. They still do a high school trip to Mexico. It's great, great deal to do with kids. But every year, and we'd always serve at two churches, and every year they would want someone to preach at the two churches. Well, contrary to what some of you might believe, I am not omnipresent. I can't preach in two different churches. So I would always need someone else to preach in the other church. So I would go to Aaron. I would say, hey, Aaron, I was thinking, how about, how about you share in that other church tonight? And he would go, I'll pray about it. I'm thinking to myself, what are you going to pray about? And then he, I did that three years in a row. And fi finally on the third year, I said, what are you going to pray about? You think God's going to tell you you don't? You shouldn't share his word with people? Are you serious? I said, and by the way, I think God's told me you need to do it, and I've prayed about it, so who's right? <laughs> you guys know me. That's really what happened. And he finally said, okay, I'll do it. And it was great. Pray about it is just a cop-out to not do something you don't want to do. Sometimes we have the attitude, our membership material says, that the church should be should do more for us when, in fact, we are the church. If something isn't being done, then we are the ones not doing it. Too often, people slip into the consumer mentality of looking for what they want rather than doing what the Lord wants. Now, I want to share with you three areas. So this will be very quick. i share with you three areas where you, where you can give of the first fruits of your talents. The first one is in your personal life. Now, by the way, I mentioned that first because I think that's where most people use their gifts and abilities, in their personal life, in, with their family, with those that they live with, if you will. And I think we should be doing that. We ought to be serving our families that they can see that the Lord's service through us. But that's not all we should be doing. So often, that's all we do, which is why I think we need to be giving of our talents in our church life getting involved in the community of believers. And then finally, I couldn't think of a better way to say it, so I'll just, I went with influential life. What I mean by that is you have influences with people out beyond, beyond your family, beyond your church, with the lost, and we ought to be using our gifts and abilities to serve out there. But folks, don't fall into the trap of thinking if you're doing one of those, you're on track, because you need to be serving in all those areas. Do you know that the day is going to come when we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ? I know you know that, but it's really true. Don't just know it. Know it. Get it in your heart. Understand, we are going to stand before the Lord someday. 
2 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10 says, So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due Him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I want to share two quotes with you before we pray and go out the door. One is a quote from a, a new television show, and it's just a great quote. It's not your talent I'm questioning, because we all have talents, by the way. It's your level of commitment. It's not your talent I'm questioning. It's your level of, it's your level of commitment. One person once said, our lives are God's gift to us. How we live is a gift to God. Please stand. Let's pray together. We'll have folks up here if you want to pray with someone or speak with them, but I, I hope you won't go out the door and have this just be words you've heard. I hope you will really try to apply it to your life. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for this day and the opportunity to enjoy this day. Please, Lord, as we go from this place, Help us to take these words and to apply them to our life, for it is our desire, Lord, to serve you. We are so grateful that you sent your Son to die on the cross for our sins. We now, Lord, give of our first fruits, of our time, talents, and treasure, that your kingdom would go forth. I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. God bless you all.